and welcome back to my story, his story, our journey. This is Miss Mary here, just thanking everyone for tuning in today, and I hope you're excited to go on this new journey with me. I'm certainly excited about getting into God's Word and just listening to what God has to say to us, how He directs us and uh, encourages us through the reading of His Word. You know, um, through the Word, this book, some people look at it as ancient, old, but the truth is, is it's alive every day. It's our Father in Heaven speaking to us from the pages, basically saying, listen to me, child. Watch, look, listen, go. And uh, I'm so excited about this journey today. Uh, I pray that you would share this with any of your family or friends that you know may need an encouraging word from God and some uh, uplifting and some hope. Uh, We find many things through God's word and uh, he is definitely a great God. Uh, Again, I thank you for being here with me and don't forget to hit the follow button and uh, that way or the little bell that way it will notify you every time an episode airs. Well, Again, I thank you for being here, and I'll see you in my part of the story. Welcome back to my part of the story. So, I'm excited today about this journey, and it is a little bit of a bittersweet journey. Um... Have you ever had a time in your life, if not once, maybe several times, that you had to endure the sweet but sad goodbyes? And what I mean by that is, have you come into a season of your life where you realize that one chapter of that season is closing but yet a new chapter is beginning. But that does not mean that it's not painful or sad that that chapter or that particular season in your life was now over. And sometimes this could happen in so many different ways. It could happen in your job, if you're corporation for whatever reason has gone out of business and you find yourself thinking this is all I've ever known and this is where I'm comfortable and this is where I belong but at the same time everything about the situation is showing you no this this part is done this can also happen with medical emergencies I remember You know, when my granddaughter Veda was born, you feel like, you know, you're always on such a tight schedule, but when you have a major medical emergency, you realize that, no, everything has stood still in time, and you find yourself waiting out minute after minute after minute in an ICU in Columbus, and... uh, you know, as such with her parents, you know, uprooted from their home, now living in a children's hospital. That is a new season. That is a new direction. One that you did not see coming. It also happens in your personal lives with personal friends that get up and move away. 
Uh, I think I remember a time where my dear sweet friend Tammy, she's actually what we call a a sister from another mister. (laughs) You know, they always say a brother from another mother, but I always say she's my sister from another mister, uh, and that mister would be God. And uh, she's definitely one of my closest friends and companions when it comes to this walk and this journey with the Lord and she's one of those people that if you just you could talk not talk to her for six or eight months and you pick up the phone and you just happen to call or she calls you and you just pick up where you left off and you know all of us has probably at least one or two of those kind of friends that you know is a true true friend and feels like she truly is a sister but in her case she is a sister because she's a sister in Christ so you know but I remember how close we were and we actually even worked together but I remember years ago when God had shifted her in such a season in her life like it was a totally shift and move and uh, because of the shift in her season in her life, it also shifted mine. Because like I said, we worked together and I remember coming into work one day and her station and everything was gone. And I thought, what is going on? And I just remember feeling so empty and thinking, I don't understand. And you know, only after talking to her, her explaining that she honestly did not know if she could make the move or that shift if she had talked to me because she knew I may talk her out of it and she didn't want to be talked out of it. Um, But it was painful. It was painful to come in unaware of what was going on and to be able to experience that just walking in and and everything about her was gone. And... uh, But, you know, I didn't understand it. But she explained it to me. And I had to take what she said for face value, that that's really, truly how she felt. You know, I I had to accept it because I knew her, I loved her, and I know she loved me, and I knew that she would never hurt me. And especially deliberately. And I'm sure that that was probably one of the hardest things you know, looking back on it, that she ever had to do was actually leave unannounced even, you know. Um, But it was a new season for her life. And because God had moved her in a different direction in her life, he had also moved me in a different direction at the exact same time. And sometimes we don't understand these shifts or these moves, but... God does it all the time and it's it's recorded in his word where he will shift and move a person from one place to another place and um, this happens also in the body of Christ and sometimes people look at it different ways they look at it like it's a negative thing but then again you know if they don't know the heart of God or they don't know the heart of the person itself for sure like all you have is the face value of who that person was what their character was and 
how close they were with you and how much they loved you. Just like Tammy, I, I knew she loved me and I knew I loved her and she wouldn't hurt me. So I thought how painful that had to be for her to actually make that decision to even go unannounced. And, you know, it happens in the body of Christ. It happens with the brothers and sisters in Christ. And and uh, it's painful. You know, often we have a very difficult time with change. And God, you know, sometimes is saying, this is the end of this season. And it's a new beginning. And a lot of times you will see that it will come with many things happening. Not just one thing. Um, And I have experienced that recently in my life with my husband. As you've been able to see through the, the past episodes, you could see the emotion in me, the, the being tired, it's the spiritual battle, the all of what God had showed me in the last three or four episodes has come to a final move. And uh, it's been a very sad goodbye. You know, my heart and my mind has been saddened and broken and processing and processing. But when you know you've clearly heard the voice of God, and sometimes explaining to someone else that voice of God can be very difficult, even to those that claim to be believers. It's almost like there's times that God has showed me something and it was so cool and he just showed up and showed out and I was all excited about it and I could even talk to a brother or sister in Christ and I could just babble on, babble on about what God had done and how he showed me himself and how cool the situation was and how it turned out and I could just be going on and on and they're just kind of looking at me smiling. And sometimes I have to remind myself, Mary... Some of these blessings may just be for you and God himself. (laughs) Like, you know, it's hard for you to explain a spiritual blessing that God has blessed you with and just got you all excited about. And then they're like, okay, Mary. And they're like, that's nice. (laughs) You know, um, but it's the same. It's the same when you try to say that through a series of events and we're not talking about one or two even sometimes God will have so much change at once in your life that you're almost just broken and you're like alright okay God okay I can see right now that my whole life is just about to be uprooted and replanted somewhere else and Believe it or not, it's even hard for us. It's hard for the people that their lives is being uprooted. It's almost like digging this beautiful flower that's been planted and being nourished in one location and the soil's just right and the everything, the temperature, everything, because it's been growing in this spot for so long. But anybody that knows anything about gardening some of the most beautiful flowers are calla lilies and they're one of my favorite flowers however anybody that's ever had calla lilies and they keep them season after season they know that the roots and the bulbs will multiply 
and it multiplies to the point where it's choking the beautiful flowers out. And sometimes there's a series of events that just keep happening and happening and happening and you feel choked out like something has to stop, something has to change. And it's almost God's hand just kind of weighing on you and he, he's like the father that's like, I love you, but I just have to, I just have to hold this pressure on you for a minute because otherwise I'm not going to be able to get you to go in the direction in which I need you to go. So sometimes that pressure is important. Sometimes digging up those beautiful bulbs and ripping them apart. And you know, when you pull those bulbs apart, all the roots that are entangled, you're always thinking, oh gosh, you know, and you're just trying to jiggle them a little bit and you don't want to really jerk them real hard because if you jerk it real hard, you're always worried, am I going to hurt the plant? Am I going to destroy the bulb? Am I going to, you know, uh, cause a problem? Because you want to keep all of those bulbs fresh and nice to where you can multiply them. And you can take some and put them in another pot here. And then you can have another pot over here. And then give those bulbs more room to expand and and grow again. And then the process just happens again and again. And, you know, I don't know if you look at that that way in your spiritual life or your spiritual walk. But anybody that is extremely close and in tune and try their best to listen carefully to the Spirit's call or His voice when He's speaking to you. It's very hard, just like it's hard to explain a spiritual blessing sometime to somebody else because they've not experienced that. It's hard to explain a spiritual calling or spiritual leading because we all know that that spiritual leading could be in a different direction and then you experience sad goodbyes and sometimes hurt feelings. Sometimes it shakes people and they don't understand why did this have to happen. You could be the person that it could even have shaken and you could be the person that even thinks, why, Lord? Why? Why plant me here and nourish me only to uproot me and plant me somewhere else. And, you know, this has happened more than once in my life. And I can't second-guess God. I don't know exactly why, but I just know I trust Him. And so this is going to be a journey. In case you're going through something like that, like I'm going through, This is a journey to show you that God does. God sometimes will remove you from a place that is strong and passionate and and everything is good and wonderful there and say, I need you to go here. So that's my part of the story. And um, I'll probably be wondering for quite some time why God thinks the way he does but you know the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways his thinking is higher than our thinking so again the only examples that we have 
is from the great patriarchs that went before us, the great brothers and sisters that come straight from the Word of God and how they had to experience things and how certain things happened that caused a shift and a move. And uh, we'll be entitling this particular episode, Our Sad Goodbyes. But even though it will be a sad goodbye, we will always see that with God's hand in it, there's always a reason why, and there's always a path that lays ahead that it is another journey in which he plans to take us on. So I will see you over in his part of the story. Welcome to his part of the story. Well, as we were saying in my part of the story, we were discussing and talking about sad goodbyes. And we were going over how God can direct your life sometimes in a different path. And and sometimes it's hard to understand why he's directing you in that path until you actually get there as the history of my life has well been played out that way ever since I've accepted Christ as my Savior over and over again. So I've had some practice at knowing His voice and seeing the signs and sometimes even the confirmation that, yes, I'm going in the right direction. But it doesn't make it any less sad. Like I said about the beautiful flower, how it had grown roots and taken a hold of that rich soil and in the area and where it was planted and sometimes how fearful it can be to pull it up out of there and knowing that you have to separate the bulbs that has multiplied up underneath the ground and uh, but you have to do it because if you don't then eventually the flower will end up killing itself because the roots get too root bound and the bulbs get to be too many and it suffocates the flowers out and then you do not get that same beautiful flower coming up and blooming and thriving like it needs to and I often think about that when I think about the Christian walk and how God prunes the grapevine to make it produce more and how he he puts it lays it out in a way to where you'll receive more sap and from the grapevine and the grapes will be sweeter in taste and you know we we did the um, secrets of the vine study and and it kind of is the same thing how the Lord has to pick it the vine up the vine dresser the father picks it up and lays it up and dusts and wipes it off and cuts and prunes and when the pruning happens it's never feels good just like direction direction never feels good and it usually follows a a series of events that uh, that are so weighty that it eventually gets you to move in the direction that the Holy Spirit wants you to move in so you know I went in my heart and mind and searched for examples and we can see the great examples of Abraham having to leave and go into another land that God had told him to go into and uh, 
you know, there, there's so many examples, uh, of, of that, you know, and, uh, but the spirit kept saying, Philip, 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 because I remember back when I used to own my nail salon years ago, I kept feeling like the Lord was leading me out. And I couldn't understand why, because I was constantly witnessing and talking to people and getting to know them. And I felt like it was like the revival, like, like this was where God would have me to be because it just doesn't make sense because it's so, so good, you know, and, uh, but things kept happening and, and kept happening that put that weight on me. And then, like I said, you have to listen for God's voice and his direction. So I remember thinking I couldn't sleep at night. And I thought, Lord, I just don't understand why I feel this way. Why is it that I feel like you're telling me that this is a season that's over for right now? And, um, but it doesn't make sense to me. So I remember thinking, one, can I do this because of money purposes? Because I did make good money doing that. And then it was like, I couldn't sleep that night. So I'm reading the word of God and I open up the Bible and I find myself reading scriptures where it says, if I'd feed the very sparrows, would I not much more take care of ye, of thee? And I just cried because it was like God answered me. And then the next one was, well, but I don't know, maybe Jesus is not leading, but maybe Satan is luring, which oftentimes people go directly to that statement. Well, maybe you're not being let out. Maybe you're being lured. But I thought the same thing as sharp and sassy. And I just remember thinking it was, you know, we played Christian music. We talked, we, we cried together, we prayed together. And then it was like me once again, not being able to sleep, tossing and turning. Well, this was a Saturday evening. The very next Sunday morning, our pastor, out of the, as big as the Bible is, preached on what I'm going to talk about today. Philip, leaving the revival and going from the revival to the one unlearned man, the Ethiopian eunuch that was in a deserted place. He was instructed to leave this place of plenty, leave this revival and go to the one and learn man. And I remember before he even got it out of his mouth about the altar call that I knew God had spoken to me in such a powerful way that I was crying so hard. I had snot running down my arm and I got up to the altar and I bent down on my knees and I started to pray and I was still playing tug of war with the Holy Spirit because I still remember saying as I prayed, but Lord, what about my people? And I realized I had formed such a bond with this group of people in this nail salon. And I could think of one particular lady that I felt was so close to accepting Christ as her savior. And I just prayed it like, but what about my people? And I want you to know the very next thought, which is often the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's how I know, because I'm saying one thing and he's saying another. That's how I know when the Spirit of God is speaking to me. And the words was literally, you mean my people. And I remember feeling the conviction of believing that these were my people, which in a way I felt like they were my people because I was so close to them. But the idea that what God had brought me to them, what makes me think he's not going to bring another to them? 
or there isn't going to be another way that he finishes it out with that person. We often think about that as teal in the ground, some teal, some plant seeds, some water, and God does the harvesting. And I felt so convicted that I realized that I just needed to obey. And I found myself in that same season again. And so I just want to revisit with you in the book of Acts chapter 8. I'm going to actually start in verse 4. And I just want you to listen to the pattern of this. That we can see where God removes people from a very place where you would believe they should be. And you would second guess why they would ever leave. But we can see the pattern of God doing this in Philip's life. So we see here in chapter 8 verse 4 it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So we see here that at some point they scattered. And we know that from the Bible because that has come up in my spirit lately as well. How he says this very night the shepherd shall be struck with the the staff and the sheep shall scatter. And um, But it was necessary. So even then it seemed like a bad thing, but it was necessary for them to scatter abroad for the gospel to go out in many different directions. So we see here it says, and those, now those that were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. So we can see here, you know, the particular 12 disciples did have the spiritual ability to do things that Jesus did. And, you know, we call them the apostles. And we know that the apostles were the 12 people that actually saw the resurrected body of Christ. And so here he is healing and there was much joy in the city. Like if we saw something like that happen, we would call that a revival, an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. And it was in such a way that nobody can really explain it in a physical form. So you can see that they were like in a revival at that time. But then it says, But there was a man named Simon. Now, this is interesting. I've read this story and I've always focused on Philip. And I've always focused on how God called him out basically from where he was doing such powerful work. But now he's placing him in a different area. But I guess I've just gazed past this man, Simon. Because sometimes it does require difficult things for God to get us to shift and move. Sometimes it requires bad things to happen for God to get our attention and I guess I really never paid attention to this man Simon until God really laid this on my heart uh, through this situation and it says here but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Hmm. 
So we can see that people can easily be persuaded, can be tricked, because this man was known for magic. And just because he could do some magic, they perceived him to be equal with the actual apostle Philip. Hmm. It sounds like he's in the mix, causing problems. And it says, and they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So we can still see Philip doing the work of God amongst Simon, amongst him being there. And he was doing the work of God and and they were still getting saved and then they were getting baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we can see growth here. We can see the church growing. He said both men and women. 13. Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized he counted or he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed he was amazed. So it's here we see Simon making a profession of faith and actually going through the act of being baptized and continuing with Philip very interested in the miracles that he was performing. Verse 14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen, it had not yet, he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can also see clearly here that this is another scripture that separates baptism from salvation and the containing of the Holy Spirit because it says that they were baptized, but yet they had not received the Holy Spirit of God yet. So we can see here the importance of the difference of the two. Verse 17, Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power, also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. So now Simon has interrupted the work of God's apostles, the chosen ones that God had chose. He interrupted it, and he, he, he desired to have the same ability that they had. He wanted to be placed in a position of authority, basically. He wanted to be able to get the people to see him versus what was going on with them. Verse 20 says, But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain a gift of God with money? But you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. That's a very strong statement. See, they, they were aware that God called apostles, God's people, was aware that this man that was amongst the middle was more concerned about the authority and the position than he was about what was taking place. And he says, allow your silver to perish with you because your heart is not right before God. He even goes further in verse 22 and says, repent 
therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in a gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. That's a strong statement. He's saying, I see you. You know, the Bible says you'll know them by the fruits that they bear. And it has a list of fruits. So how are some of the people that's surrounding you, how are they doing on that list of fruits? Do their character show that? Or does their character show contention, division, murmuring and complaining or whispering behind people's backs? Because see, this man, he says, I see that you are in a gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And then Simon answered, Well, pray for me to the Lord that none, nothing of what I have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken of the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So as you can see, the tra- even John and Peter traveling further and going. But let's read a little bit further with 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. Now see, we can continually see the spirit saying to him, go. Now, it doesn't matter whether the people in Samaria, Samaria, they saw what was going on with Philip. Can you imagine their heart being broken and thinking, no, you know, this is real life. Remember, this is a story. We're getting part of it. But I'm sure these people were broken thinking, no, you can't be leaving. You shouldn't be leaving. Why would you leave? Look what's happening. You're part of this. But that does not evade the fact that God said to him, the Lord, angel of the Lord said, go, go. He clearly directed him. And obviously, Philip clearly could hear his voice. Philip clearly knew that it was time to go. Whether they understood it or they didn't, it was still time for him to go. It says, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? (laughs) He's a teacher. He's a teacher. Notice he ran. He didn't hesitate. He didn't actually care too much about what the other people thought. He just obeyed. And then he didn't walk and stomp around and complain as he was walking, which we have a tendency to do. I have a tendency to do, trying to make sense of it all. But he ran to where God told him to go. And then he did what a great teacher will always do. Do you understand what you are reading? See, 
when you have the spiritual gift of preaching and the spiritual gift of teaching or the spiritual gift of exhortation, it matters to you whether people understand what it is they're reading. And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he has been led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. And in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life had been taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I asked you, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, there is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up from out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Censaria. Well, the poor eunuch had a very short time with Philip, but he still was rejoicing. He was rejoicing from what Philip showed him, what Philip taught him. The knowledge that Philip gave him through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to understand that what and who he was reading about was Jesus Christ. And then Philip was gone again, removed quickly to go to another place to preach the gospel and to all the towns until he came to the town of Caesarea. Sometimes it's hard to understand, brothers and sisters, why God does the things he does. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand. It seems like you just get planted and you get nourished, but then you start to get root bound. And God says it's time to move. I often think that it's probably those with the spiritual gift of teaching, evangelism, exhortation. I think he has a tendency to move those more because you never know where he's sending you or what small group of people he's sending you to set a fire, set their hearts back on fire for God to give them more direction to be of assistance here. Sometimes we don't want people to leave. They're our family. Sometimes you don't want to leave because they're your family and you love them. 
you've learned a lot from them as they've hopefully learned a lot from you. But when Father says it's time to go, then it's just time to go. Well, that was his part of the story. And I hope you'll join me in our part of the journey. Welcome back to our part of the journey. Well, I hope you can see from God's example through Philip that he does move people. He changes their direction and he puts people in their paths as well for them to be able to minister to them. We need to remember, yes, we attend a local body of believers and it's so important to find a local body of believers and uh, be part of that family and be a member there where, you know, you are, like they say, many members but one body and to offer up your spiritual gifts and your talents that the Lord has left you with and uh, to edify and to help build up that body of believers. But that does not mean that that's exactly where God will always have you planted. Because we are the universal church as well. And that's what some people forget about. They forget that God, he is looking at the universal mission, not just just the local establishment. You know, Jesus made it clear that you are the temple. Where you go, I go also, and he will forever be with us. And and there's many, many accounts of them leaving and going into another area, and, and especially Paul, how Paul would just cry and would miss the people that he had left behind and say his heart yearned to be with them. But So if you're a person that right now you feel like you're in the middle of a shift, a new journey, or God has now put your feet upon another path, and you're a little bit nervous about where he's taken you and what he's planning to do with your life, remember always to seek God's face, to pray, to listen to the Word of God. There's going to be many people out there that will try to influence one way or the other, but always, always listen to God because, like I said, some people could be planted right where they're at to stay where they're at forever based on their spiritual gifts, and then there's others that God may say, no, it's time, I need you to meet this person over here, or I need you to go there, and God has done that several times in my life, and why, I'm not really sure, but I often feel like Paul when he said how he yearned for them or he longed to see them again or how much he loved them. And I have been so blessed with so many brothers and sisters in Christ that that God the Father has put in my pathway. And I'm sure you have as well. But just pray. Know for sure that God is leading you before you make such a serious decision but if you have and you do have clarity 
then listen to the Father over any other person. And if you're a person that knows somebody that's going through that experience, have heart. Because even though you may believe that they have ulterior motives, that doesn't mean they do. We have to remember how Job friends accused him of doing something wrong and yet they did not know the truth they were completely wrong in their prior judgment of Job so you know also don't don't be the prodigal son that stayed and well I stayed well look at me I made the decision to stay he made the decision to leave please remember these great stories and these great truths about our pride and arrogance and uh, you know we should all all of us those that stay those that go we need to humble ourselves before the Lord seeking God's face in all decisions and then if you are out there know I'm praying for you know that I will pray that God will give you direction And please pray for me as well as God gives me and my family direction as well. Well, I'm just going to finish up with a little bit of commentary here. And we're going to wrap up this journey with Philip. And in the commentary here on chapter 8, I'm just going to kind of go down to 6 where it says, The Samaritans would have been prepared for Philip's message about the Christ Messiah. They had their own expectations of the prophetic Messiah called the... Tahab, who they believed would come to their holy mountain. John the Baptist and Jesus had previously ministered in this area, John 3, 23, 4, 4 through 42. Like the apostles, Philip had received the Holy Spirit's power to cast out demons and to heal, which served as a sign confirming the truth of his message. Simon, he claimed to have divine powers, calling himself the Great One. An ancient, on ancient magic. Not only the Samaritans, but Simon also believed and was baptized. Commentators differ over whether Simon had genuinely had saving faith. Peter's strong rebuke to Simon soon after would suggest that Simon did not have genuine saving faith. Welcome back to part two of the art part of the journey. I am so sorry. I actually forgot to turn the ringer off my phone. And so it got interrupted at the part that I was reading to you. So I have to make two to finish up our part of the journey. But anyhow, as I was saying, it said Simon claimed to have divine powers, calling himself the great one on ancient magic. And then it says not only the Samaritans, but Simon also believed and was baptized. Commentators differ over whether Simon had genuine saving faith. Peter's strong rebuke to Simon soon after would suggest that Simon did not have genuine saving faith. So you remember when he told him that his heart was actually wicked, and you have to remember the apostles had the spirit of Christ inside of them. They had the powers to even heal Uh, and to bring someone back to life just like Christ did. So I do believe that their spirit would know that the 
spirit in Simon was not right, that he had wicked thoughts and wicked desires to just have the power that they had rather than really the good for the people and what they were doing. So we see here that he was rebuked and that they do not believe that he actually had genuine saving faith. Then it says 814, the apostles at Jerusalem, they retained their authority over the entire church. When they heard Philip's uh, Samaritan mission, they sent Peter and John to verify the legitimacy. And then it says 817, they received the Holy Spirit. Apparently in this unique case where the gospel was first moving beyond the bounds of Judaism, the Lord sovereign sovereignly waited to give a manifestation of the full power of his holy spirit and that was in verses 15 and 16 until some of the apostles themselves could be could be present present philip was not an apostle and therefore there would be no question at all that the samaritans had received the new covenant empowering the holy spirit so you can see here that philip was doing the acts of an apostle and i had actually believed that they included him as an apostle but for whatever reason it's saying here that he was not but he was doing the acts of the apostles the same acts that he had from the holy spirit and then it said here that um In some way that the Jewish Christians had, this would show that the Samaritans should be counted full members of the one true church, the new covenant community of God's people, founded and based at the time in Jerusalem. It would also guarantee that the Samaritans, who for many generations had been hostile toward the Jews, would not establish a separate Christian church or be excluded from the church by Jewish believers. Then it goes on down and it says Simon saw this saw that the spirit was given. And then it says since this was outwardly evident to Simon and no doubt to others as well, there must have been some awkward manifestation of the spirit. This may have been speaking in tongues, prophesizing or both. And it was an evident sign to the apostles that the Holy Spirit had fallen on the Samaritans in a similar way and that what would happen to the apostles and those with them at Pentecost, offering them money, Simon was acting in character because magicians often exchange secrets for money, neither part nor lot, is Old Testament language for having no share in something. Deuteronomy 12, verse 12 and 14, verse 27. And this seems to indicate that Simon has now disclosed the condition of his heart. And he did not truly belong to the people of God. The strong language in Acts 8.23 also seems to class Simon as an unbeliever. Whether Simon was truly repented or not is unclear. Against that possibility is the tradition tied to Simon that he was the first heretic 
and the fact that he does not indicate he will do anything to show repentance. And then it goes on down and says, The traditional verse shows the apostles preaching in many villages of the Samaritans along their route back to Jerusalem, a fulfillment of 1.8 concerning expansion of the gospel into Samaria, the Samaritan territory. And then verse or chapter 8, verse 30, it says, The Holy Spirit directed Philip to approach the eunuch. People usually read out loud in those days. So Philip was probably aware of the eunuch, of that that the eunuch was reading, Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. A more appropriate passage would not have been chosen as a witness to Christ, attesting to the Holy Spirit's leading. The passage cited focused on the injustice done to Jesus something that reflects Luke's presentation of the cross on Luke 23, as well as the death of Stephen, who followed in his way. The direction of the Holy Spirit in this indicates its apparent again as Philip the eunuch arrived at a rare watering place in the desert precisely when the eunuch requested baptism. Philip was snatched up and carried away, much like Elijah was in 2 Kings. Then it goes on, and I'll read just one more. Philip was then taken to witness in the coastal region, first in Azotus and then in Caesarea, where he seemed to have settled. So we can see here, that Philip moved as God spoke. And Philip was used wherever God moved him to for a purpose. So if you feel the God of this universe tugging at your heart, leading you in a direction, even if you're not completely clear, keep praying, keep seeking his face. He will make it clear to you. He is a father that does not plan to leave his children without guidance and direction. Sometimes it just requires more pieces of the puzzle before you can start to see it form. Well, I hope you enjoyed this journey with me with Philip. And I hope you can see from God's word that it is biblical that God may call somebody from the revival out to one unlearned man. I know that the Lord has done it for me in the past, and I do believe he absolutely is doing that right now in the present, and a part of my heart breaks because I will miss those, just like Paul did, that was around me, that loved me, and I loved them. But I'm also very excited to see what journey my Lord and Savior is going to take me on and how he may use my husband and myself to further his kingdom. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the clarity of it. I thank you that you are capable of showing people the many examples of times when you have called someone out or removed someone and placed them somewhere else. Father God, it's never an easy experience for that person 
to leave people that they love, a place that they're comfortable and familiar with. But Lord, you didn't call us to be comfortable. You didn't call us to be familiar. You called us to listen. You called us to follow. You are a shepherd. We are the sheep. It's your job to lead. It's our job to follow. And Father God, I do know that you have spoken to my husband. And I know you have spoken to me. And I pray that you would help us every step of the way with the decisions that has to be made for him and myself and our family, for the direction that we would clearly see where you say, this is it. This is the place I need you to be. Help us, Father God. We trust you with that. We trust you with the journey. We know that you are now about to embark on and to take us with you. And I am ready. I pray you would use me in such a capacity that that it would be undeniable that you did move me. And Father God, I pray for all those out there that are very confused about this situation. I pray that you would help them bring peace to their mind and to their heart. Help them understand that it's not a betrayal. It is simply one servant trying to serve her master. I pray you give my husband the wisdom and direction he needs to continue to lead this family. I pray for all of those out there that are struggling themselves with major decisions in their life. I pray that they would do the same that we have done to listen to your word. Even Jesus only would use the word, your word, when he was tempted by Satan. And Lord, that's all we can rest on. That's all we can rely on, not people's opinions, but just your word and your word alone. I pray that they would seek your face, that they would read your word, listen for your direction, and that they would find the peace that they would need to continually follow you. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Until next time that we see you here on My Story, His Story, Our Journey, I'll be praying for you. And please, all of you out there that are listening to this episode, please be praying for my family and I that we, when we get to where he is directing us, that we can be able to take a deep breath and say, this is where he has me. This is where he wants me to be. And I will thank you for that ahead of time. So we will see you next time here on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.